0: Let's pray together, please. We pray that our ears might be attuned as we worship you, O God, so that amidst the many voices we might hear the one voice that was made flesh in Jesus Christ our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. If there's anything I hate in this world, it is being lost. And so the Lenten theme of finding our way again is uh, one that feels very personal to me. You can ask my family, the times I get most irritated are the times when we are lost in the car and I'm driving. Actually, don't ask them anything about that. Uh, it's, It's not pretty. I hate being lost in the car. I hate being lost in the park. I went running one time in Cherokee Park and was lost for three weeks. (laughs) I hate being lost in a large conference center when I'm supposed to be somewhere at a certain time. I hate being lost on a financial sheet at the finance meeting. I hate being lost in a movie. I hate being lost in the middle of a conversation. Fortunately, we've had a a device that uh, has been invented in the last uh, several years that is helpful to many of us, Nina, um, (laughs) called a GPS, and it does help us to get from here to there, but if you've ever used one, then you probably have heard that little voice saying, recalculating, Which is a polite way of saying, you dummy, I'm giving you directions and you can't even follow them. Uh, Being lost is an interesting uh, phrase because really I'm not lost. Uh, I know exactly where I am. I'm, I'm right here. My problem though is I don't know where I am in relation to everything around me. I have lost my orientation. You might say, I'm disoriented. The season of Lent is about that disorientation. That is part of the human condition. Uh, we heard, as Renee read from uh, the apostle, about the first man, the, the, the Adam, that uh, mythic figure who disorients us all with uh, the beginning of sin into the world. And Lent is about Not only recognizing our disorientation, but finding our way again. Believing that the gospel is about finding our way. There's an old children's story called When Shlemiel Goes to Warsaw. It's the story of this simple little man who lives in the little town of Chelm. And one day decides, announces to his family, I'm going to Go to the big city of Warsaw. Well, Shamil knew himself. He knew that he was not a a sharp man. He knew he would need help. He had to have someone help him find his way to the road to Warsaw. And so he set out. As the day wore on and as the sun began to set, he realized he wasn't going to make it all the way to Warsaw in one day's walking. But he said, when I lie down, here's what I'll do. I'll take my boots off and I'll point them in the direction that I'm supposed to go. That way, when I wake up tomorrow, I won't be disoriented. I'll know exactly where I'm supposed to go. I'll put my boots on and off I'll go. But that night, a trickster came in, the blacksmith, who liked to mess with Shemil. And while Shemil slept he crept up and turned his boots the opposite direction back to the little town of Chelm. The next morning, Shlemiel woke up, put on his boots, proceeded to walk all day, and found himself right back where he'd started from, which is not where he wanted to be. I think we've all had that experience. That realization that I'm not where I want to be. Who turned my boots around? The apostle Paul said it like this. The things that I want to do, I don't do. The things that I don't want to do are the very things I do. Wretched man that I am. It almost seems that it's inevitable that we human beings lose our way. Even the Lord Jesus... His hair still wet from his baptism and hearing that voice from heaven saying, You are my son, the beloved, at that very time is led, it says, by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And we can understand these temptations in several different ways, but we know that they're not just about Jesus. They're about each one of us. There is that temptation to Turn the stones into bread, to, to use whatever power we have for ourselves to meet our own needs and make life work out for us. Or to jump from the pinnacle while everyone watches, to draw attention to ourselves and to stand out as unique or different. Or the temptation to worship the devil, to cut a deal that secures our legacy and allows us to have confidence on our own security and Survival. Richard Rohr would say that these are not uh, soul temptations. These are ego temptations. They're temptations to orient ourselves around our own fears and our own desires rather than the desires of the spirit. Of who we're really called to be in all of our wholeness. Another way to understand these temptations is to to see them as questions of identity. Jesus, having just heard the divine voice say, you're my beloved son, is now tempted by the devil to question, to doubt that very truth. Are you really? You are the son of God? Well, if you're the son of God, then turn the stones to bread because you can have anything you want. If you're the son of God, then uh, jump from the pinnacle because God will keep you safe. If you're the son of God, it will be okay to do whatever you want and have whatever you need because there is no higher authority than yourself. We, of course, understand these temptations. Don't politely stand in line and sequentially approach us one at a time. And it's certainly not a one-and-done kind of experience. Where one goes through these temptations and then goes, Well, nailed it. I don't have to worry about that anymore. If only. And if only the devil would show up. Smelling of sulfur and wearing a a pair of red tights, holding a pitchfork with a voice like Vincent Price, we could just know... Who the devil was. Maybe you could have a name tag, devil. And we could just avoid the devil. If only. And if only temptations came in clearly marked um, uh, uh, ways. So that we could say, here's temptation one and two and three. But they come in a myriad of forms. Sometimes they're things we're tempted to do. Sometimes they're things that we're tempted to to, be, to leave undone. Sometimes they are things that we actually act on. Sometimes it's our inactions, our attitudes, that are the temptations that lure us off the path and away from the wholeness and the life that God dreams for us. And like poor Shlemiel, we may not know it immediately, but at some point we realize... I'm disoriented. I'm lost. How can we find our way again? Jesus has the devil's voice rattling in his ear as we all did. He he hears these temptations to woo him, to tempt him, to shame him, to goad him, to invite him to try uh, to, to go in a different direction, but amidst all the voices, Jesus hears another voice it 's the voice of God it 's the one that was articulated for him at his baptism you 're my child, my beloved child, and whom i 'm well pleased. and He hears this voice in his heart, and it feels and sounds to him like home it feels like health like wholeness it feels like it completes us and he recalls that voice at his baptism and he knows that it is consistent with the message that he has felt and heard from his birth you are the beloved child henry Nowon. in the devotional readings that we were given this week as we began Lent, says this very thing, that the original blessing is that we can know deep within ourselves that we, each one of you, are God's beloved child, that there's nothing you can ever do that would make God stop loving you. No sin you can ever commit, no doubt you can ever have in your heart that will make God stop loving you. It is your birthright and it cannot be taken away. Jesus hears this voice and recognizes it as his home. But then as if to solidify this great truth, Jesus has a tangible resource And I suspect many of you do too. Um, It comes in book form. It's called a Bible. Uh, You can even buy these things at Walmart. They've been put together by children in sweatshops. They're just available everywhere. They have within, by themselves, they're just a book. But when we pick it up, And when we apply it to our lives, it becomes for us the words of life. And so in that Matthew reading and in every version of the temptations, Jesus' response to the temptation that he hears is scripture. It's scripture that feeds his soul and calls to his life. I don't have to live by bread alone, he says. He's quoting scripture but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. I don't have to jump from the the pinnacle because I don't have to put God to the test. I know who I am. I don't have to bow down and worship Satan. I don't have to go in the opposite way of who I'm called to be because I'm oriented in God. I worship the Lord, and the Lord only do I serve. All of those come right out of the Scripture that you can go to Walmart and buy. Or better yet, we'll give you one. But to take these words and to make them words of your life that tell you how to find your way home again, it's the greatest gift in the world. I've seen the words of this text profoundly change a person's life. When I was in college, I worked uh, at my father's steel foundry in Dayton, Ohio. I was 17 years old. I was working with these older men. They were like 40 or 50 years old. Slick and Sims and Fat Tommy. And I'm, I, I'm very much the odd guy out. These are people who work year-round for years ever since they finished high school. They've worked in this steel foundry. And except for James, I'm the only other white guy on this Uh, yard crew. The yard crew uh, is not about lawns and manicuring and trimming. It's about uh, digging up dirt and and it's about uh, cleaning out machines. It's the nastiest job in the foundry. These are the folks who have failed at other jobs in the foundry and find themselves on the yard crew, especially James. James was uh, tattooed up before tattoos were cool. He was strong, he was burly. He wasn't any bigger than I was, but he could he could uh throw me across the yard if he wanted to. And James didn't like me. He uh he uh knew I was a college boy and for some reason he just didn't like me. Well, on Fridays at the the, the last day of the week when um we got paid, the guys in the yard crew, after we, the bell rang or the whistle blew, uh, we would leave and they would go off to a corner of the parking lot outside of the foundry and they would gather together. And this one guy was always bragging about this quality moonshine that he would make and they would go out and sip his wares. And, but I was never invited until my last Friday at the foundry. Well, come on, come come with us. Let's celebrate you leaving. And I thought, well, that'd be fun. So I checked out and I found them gathered around a car in the corner of the parking lot. And as I walked up, though, I realized that James was with them. And he was about a half a mason jar into the moonshine by the time I got there. He said, oh, look, it's the preacher boy. It's the college boy. Here you're going off to learn how to be a preacher. Preacher, let me ask you, what does Isaiah 40 say? i thinking, Isaiah 40? I haven't been to that class yet. <laughs> James said, have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been revealed to you from the beginning that the Lord God is omnipotent? Those that mount up with wings, those who wait upon the Lord will mount up with wings like eagles. They'll, they'll run and not be weary. They'll not walk and not faint. And the other guys from the yard crew are like, whoa, where did that come from, James? But James wasn't finished. Preacher, what's Psalm 121? I'm thinking, Psalm 121. I know Psalm 23. I will lift up mine eyes to the hills from which cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. He said the whole psalm. And by this time they're going to preach. He said, Preacher, what is Romans 8.31? Now I'd done some sword drilling in my time. Those of you who grew up Baptist know what that means. And I knew Romans 8.28, but I didn't know Romans 8.31. James did. What shall we say? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not withhold his son, who can separate us from the love of Christ, he said. And he stopped. And I, I wasn't looking at him in that moment. I just assumed he was taking a drink out of the mason jar. This isn't moonshine. Um, but he had just stopped. it was so quiet you could almost hear his spirit's GPS recalculating. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or peril? Will nakedness or persecution or famine or sword? No, and all these things we're more than conquerors. He's saying these words and it's like He could hear his own voice and he could hear the voice of God. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us for I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to Separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. James had wandered into the far country, but he was finding his way home. Let's pray together. You who love us from the day we're born. You who love us from the day we're conceived. You who have said to us, and finally in Jesus Christ, you are my beloved child. May this Christ speak into our hearts and call us home again. Now and always. Amen. And so this day we are invited home. And when we get home, there's a meal for us. Prepared for people like you and me. Not because we deserve it. Because this is the kind of God we have who welcomes us home and feeds us with what we need to walk life's journey. It is the body and blood of Jesus So this morning, if you are hungry for God, if you feel the voice of Christ calling you, come and eat and let it be for you and for all a witness that you're finding your way home again. Thanks be to God. Let's prepare to come to this table now as we turn to friends and strangers around this room and speak this truth into their hearts. May the peace of Christ be with you and also with you, Stan.